Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Uh, so you probably noticed this pile of rocks up here. It's, there's some of you in the background going, there's a pile of rocks up there? What? <laughs> um, yeah, there's a pile of rocks up here. And um, if you noticed them as you came in, you probably thought, what's up with the rocks? Uh, I wonder what he's going to do with those. What are the... They're... So if you thought that, if you noticed them and you wondered what they're all about, that's exactly why we put them up here. It's their only purpose, just to get you to go, oh, something's happening with rocks today, okay? Um, and here it goes all the way back to the Old Testament. You find over and over again through the Old Testament, when God did something particular for the nation of Israel or for an individual, they would pile up some stones as a marker. In fact, um, when the nation of Israel moved into the land that God had promised them, Joshua uh, told uh, members from each of the families to stop, and each of the tribes to stop in the middle, take a stone from the middle of the river, and then when they got to the other side, into the land that God had promised them, to pile up those stones. And he said, for this reason, so that when your children and your descendants see this pile of stones and ask, what's up with those stones? You tell them, because here is where God did something. Here is where God did something. He parted the waters. He allowed us through and moved us into this land that he had promised to us. In fact, actually, this pile of stones came from a pile of stones that we have outside of our other building over in the family building there. Um, They're from the original group of people who gathered on this property when we first got it before we built anything, and we put these together as a memorial that God has provided this place. God has done something here. So it's with that background in mind that I want to look at two passages of Scripture together with you that I think are, are completely linked, although you may not have thought about it in this way. The first comes from Matthew's Gospel. Um, Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. It's actually an account of Jesus' life and ministry. And in Matthew chapter 16, um, he recounts this conversation that Jesus has with his disciples. Towards the end of his ministry, he's pulled them apart, uh, away from the crowds, and he's asked them this question. Verse 13, it says, Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others still Jeremiah or one of the prophets. What about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now, whether he had thought about it for a long time or if it was just a sudden revelation, Peter makes this declaration that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And it's monumental. It is the defining moment in that relationship that Jesus has with his disciples. It's a defining moment in Peter's life, so much so that Jesus changes his name. Up until then, he had been known as Simon. And Jesus said, I am changing your name to Peter. Peter's name means rock. He's saying, you are a rock. And this declaration that you just made, that's the rock. That's the foundation on which I am going to build my church. You're a stone. You're a rock. And then this very same Peter, fast forward about 30 or 40 years, he writes a letter to churches all around the, um, what is modern-day Turkey. And he writes these words. Remember, the, remember what the history, remember the whole thing coming up here. This is what he says. 1 Peter 2. As you come to him, the living stone, 
rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built together into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Skip down verse 9. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires which wage against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. Peter makes this declaration, and Jesus said, that's it. That's the foundation. I'm going to build my church on that truth. In fact, it's so important. I am changing your name. You are now a rock. And Peter says now to these other disciples, years later, in churches all around modern-day Turkey, he says, you too, you too are stones. You are living stones. You are part of this building that Jesus said 30, 40 years ago that he was going to build, this spiritual house. And that each and every one of you are a part of it. And just like those ancient stones that people used to pile up to mark, this is where God has done a work, each one of our lives are living stones so that people could look at us, you and me, in our lives and say, what's God doing there? God's doing something there. You and I are those living stones that God is building his church. Christ is building his church and he's building it with you and me. We are the building materials. And, and, And then we have a part in this building process. But to do that, it takes some intentionality. And that's what this whole series that we're in, this Invitational Life series is all about. Is how do you live in such a way that your life says something about what God is doing in this world? How do you um, make that message clear to people when they see something in you and ask, what's the deal with you? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Living with that intentionality, living with an awareness of what God is doing in this world and how you can be a part of it. And the awareness starts with this. We need to live with this awareness that God is at work. God is at work. He is always at work. And his design is that his church would grow. Sometimes I get so frustrated with people who get angry about churches who are growing that they're just getting too big. Churches are too big. And they, you know, they're just you know, a mile wide and an inch, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And I said, wait a minute. Jesus said it's his intention to grow his church. He wants it to grow. We're, we're a part of something that's not dead, not something that's dying, not something that's static. We are part of something that's very living and active and growing. And he is the one who is building his church. Jesus said this. He said, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Last week we talked about that. He laid that foundation, that do versus done, that that in Christ, God did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. It's been done. It is finished. And now we don't have to do anything but receive it, okay? That's the foundation. But God is continuing to do his work to this very day in the lives of each and every one of us. He is at work in your life. He says, as you come to him, the living stone, 
rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built. Again, he's doing the work, but you and I are the ones who are being built into this spiritual house. In other words, God is at work in your life. He is working every day in your life. He is actively involved in your everyday life. And he's not finished yet. Trust me, he's not finished with you yet. <laughs> Some of you have a lot of work to get done there, okay? But, but, but God is the one who is doing that work. He's doing the work. And, and this is what you may not realize, is that he is also at work in every person around you. They may not know it, they may not see it, but he is at work in them as well. Which means that every encounter that you have with another person is a God moment. Every relationship you have in the people around you, wherever you might live, wherever you might work, wherever you might be going to school, wherever friendships you have, God is at work. Anytime you get together, anytime you meet them, there's a God moment because God's at work in them and God is at work in you. And he's brought you together in that moment. And you need to live with that sense of awareness, with the belief and the awareness that God is at work. He's at work in me. He's at work in all the people around me. And my, part of my job is to be a part of what he's doing in each person's life. And that means an intentionality. It's an awareness thing. It's about learning to go deep in your relationship with God so that you can learn to recognize his promptings, learn to hear his spirit. Because he's speaking to you all the time. Men, have you ever been so engrossed in the game on TV that your wife comes in, tells you something, walks out of the room, and you suddenly realize, I have no idea what she just said. Okay, I'm asking the wrong people. Wives, have you ever walked into a room? <laughs> it's just a matter of tuning in. See, God is speaking all the time. He is prompting you. He is speaking to you. And he's giving you opportunities to be a part of what work that he's doing. But it means tuning in, which means developing an awareness of his presence. One of the best ways you can do this is taking time, carving time and space out of every day just to be alone with him and learn to listen. Because he's at work. He is constantly at work. You might start, one of the things I've learned to do um, and I wish I could say I remember to do it every day, but on a pretty regular basis, I get up, and the f- one of the first prayers in the morning is, God, you're with me today. And your spirit is in me. And I don't know what my day holds in front of me, but you do. You know the people I'm going to meet. You know the conversations I'm going to have. Would you just make me more aware of your presence? And then become more aware. And as you learn to listen, to God, you also learn to listen to people. So stop your texting, put down the phone, and have an actual conversation. <laughs> yeah? Just have a conversation. Because in those conversations, and in those moments, God is at work. See, that's why this is so important. You have to develop that that listening spirit. 
God is at work in them and in you. And this is so important because you have a part to play in what God's doing. I have a part to play in what God is doing in this world. He does his work through people. He touches lives through people. Look at what he said. He said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I give you the keys. I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. In other words, he's given you and me the ability to open the door to God's kingdom for somebody else. You and I have the keys. We have the ability to open those doors. Now, remember, with keys come responsibility. You remember the very first time your parents gave you the keys to the car on your own? Along with those keys probably came some kind of a little bit of a lecture or a reminder, be careful out there, right? I have a friend. I have a friend who is constantly losing his keys. I won't tell you his name, but his initials are Jesse Peterson. (laughs) He is constantly misplacing his keys. He actually bought a little Bluetooth key finder thing on his key ring so he could find his keys. You and I have been given keys, but with the keys come the responsibility. Don't lose your keys. Don't fumble with your keys. See, see, God said, he says, listen, I am building this church. I am building this magnificent building that is the kingdom of God. And I'm giving you the keys to open the door. I'm going to use you. You have a part in it. So how do you do that? How do you do that? Because see, if you don't, Who will? If you're the one with the keys and you don't use them to open the door for people's lives to make that connection with God, who's going to do it? He gave you the keys. So how? How do you do it? I think the thing is, what Peter says in uh, verse 12, he says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. Now, pagans, that's just the word that he used for anybody who's not a Christ follower. Anybody who is outside that kingdom. He's saying, live your life in such a way that people see something in you. And even though they would like to slam you and criticize you, they're going to see the good stuff that you're doing and they just can't do it. Now, that doesn't mean showing off every time you do a good thing and every time you, 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 know, you do something really nice for somebody, making sure everybody knows about it. That's not what he's saying. He's just saying live your lives in such a way that they give evidence that God is doing a work there. How do you do that? Well, my mom used to say when I was growing up, your actions speak louder than words. So you act. You act with caring You act with compassion. When you have those conversations with people, you listen, and you listen beyond the words. You listen to the heart. You look them in the face and you read the eyes. You notice the shoulders, whether they're standing upright or if they're kind of slumped. There's all kinds of speaking that we do beyond words. And to be a good listener, you notice those things. And you probe a little bit deeper. So, no, what's, how are you really doing? What's going on in your life? Notice people in their struggles. Notice them in their pain. Is there anything I can do to help? Can I at least pray for you? See, it, those are the kinds of actions that say to the people around us, there's something different there. Encourage people. 
Engage with them, compliment them, because we live in a culture and a society that is so full of division and discouragement and a complaint. You could just be an encourager, a listener, make a huge difference in somebody's life. Um, when we are looking for, sometimes we're in a place we don't know, and we're looking for a restaurant we want to go out to, or checking out an area or something. Um, very often we'll use um, TripAdvisor or Yelp or one of those kind of rating things. And, and when you, you know, I don't know if you've ever done this, but when you do that and you look on it, you know, there's five-star ratings, four-star, three-star, you know. I always go first to the one-star ratings. And I read the complaints. And then I check a link on that person to see how they rate everything else. And if they rate everything with the one, <laughs> don't even listen to them. They're just negative people. They got nothing positive to say about anybody. Their life is miserable. Why would I want that life, you know? (laughs) Then I go to the five-star ratings, and I check what they say about other things. These are positive people. They look for the good. They notice when good stuff happens. See, become a noticer of good. Look for good in everything. Look for good in every person. Even that person that drives you crazy, there's got to be something good there you can find. Look for the good. Be an encourager. Care about the people around you. Invest in people's lives. Because when you do, you gain the permission to speak into their lives that message of grace. Peter goes on, he says, so always be prepared. Live that life, live that life in such a way that people notice there's something different about you. And then, he says in 3.15, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But, he says, do this with gentleness and respect. In other words, live a life in such a way that people notice there's a difference. And when they ask you, what's different about you? Be ready to give the answer. I don't know what to say. I don't know my Bible that well. I might get it all wrong. They might have questions that I can't have answers to. Just share your story. Just tell. That's what he says. The hope that you have. Just what has God done in your life that has changed you so much? And then speak it up. Because God's at work. And you have a part. And here's the really good news. This is going to be encouragement for you. We are all in this together. See, you're not alone. See, I grew up, I grew up with this idea. You need to tell your friends about Jesus. You need to let people know about Christ. You need to share the gospel. You need to do it. But it was always like, you go out there and you do it. And I always felt like I was out there on my own. The, the truth is, we are all in this together. We as a whole church family... Play that part. We're in it together with you. Notice what he says. You also like living stones, plural. Living stones, plural, are being built. Your stone is part of the bigger pile. We are all living stones being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. In other words, God intends for us to do this together. Again, verse 9. You are God's chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special. Those are all plurals. 
all plurals, that you, plural, and it doesn't come across in our English, if you were Southern, it'd be that y'all, <laughs> that y'all may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. There is something far more powerful when the church gathers together that expresses that joy, that peace, that comfort, that strength, that power that God has at work in each of our lives individually. There's something more powerful when we all gather together. That's what Jesus said. In fact, he said, said, when two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am. That there's something about gathering together that gives something more powerful as a witness to the power of Christ to change people's lives. And we have built and designed this church around that truth. That is why we do what we do. It's why we choose the music that we choose. It's why we invested in this building and gave great deal of thought to the spaces that each person would walk into. That they would feel warm and welcome and comfortable when they walk in the front doors. It would, it would be a clean place that we care about what we do around here. That there's, there's good coffee and snacks if they go into the, into the cafe. It's when they, when they come into a worship, they know there's going to, you can invite your friends because you know there's going to be great music. And there's going to be this guy who talks, and he's okay. <laughs> and he doesn't talk too long, so you can get past that, okay? But, but the idea is... Everything that we do around here is so that you could feel comfortable inviting a friend and know that you won't be cringing through the whole time, which is not like the church I grew up in. I mean, I love the church that I grew up in. Great people there. All of my spiritual formation happened as I was growing up in that church. But honestly, I would invite my friends to youth group, but when I came to Sunday morning church, it was like... I don't think they're going to like this. And I sure hope Mr. Potter doesn't sing the special today. Because <laughs> Mr. Mr. Potter, he had quite a range. And every once in a while, he hit the right note. <laughs> but bless his heart, he loved Jesus, you know. And it was just kind of this, you know, it, it, it's good enough. We said, no, it's not good enough. We need to give God our best. And we give, and that's, that's why, that's why we have, we have a, a first impressions team that just love making people feel welcome and at home. It's, it's why we have people who work in our children's ministry and our, in our student ministries who care about the kids that they're investing their lives in. It's why our, our tech and our, and our worship team gets here at, before 7 o'clock in the morning to make sure that we are ready to go by 9 it's why we invest so heavily and think so thoroughly about everything that we do because it's all a reflection of what God is doing in us. And it's got to be our very best so that you can invite a friend and know it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Basically, the principle that Jesus' first disciples used Andrew meets Jesus, and he runs and he finds his brother Peter. He says, you, you got to come see. you got to come and see this guy. you got to come and see this guy. Philip meets Jesus. He goes to friend Nathaniel, and he says to Nathaniel, you got to come and see. you just got to come and meet. you got to see this guy. you got to come and see. And Nathaniel says, he's from Nazareth. Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. He says, no, no, you just got to come and see. 
See, it's that come and see invitation. That has been the strategy all through the kingdom of God. Just come and see. Come and see. And the reason we do it, and I don't know if all, not all of you were at that one particular service, but in our last baptism, we had a woman come and get baptized. She told her story. She said, a couple of weeks ago, I made an attempt to take my own life. And I failed at it. And I was fully prepared to do it again. But someone invited me to this church. It made me feel like I belonged. It changed my life. That's why we do what we do. That's why we make the invitation. It's that belief that God is at work in somebody else's life as much as he's at work in mine. And that I have a part to play. One conversation, one invitation, one something could be the life changer for them. And I have a church family that I love to have them meet. That's how God does his work. And it's all, it's all around his grace and his mercy. This is how Peter ends it. He says, once you were not a people, but now... Now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Would you bow your heads with me? Each week I've been asking you to think about that one person in your life And I've been asking you to pick that one person and be praying for them so that you can be assured that God is... Because when you pray for somebody, what you're asking for is God's work to be going on in their life. So be praying for your friends and for your family who just need to know the life that Christ has for them. Today I'm going to begin to ask you to start making invitations. Just take a little bit of that risk. Invite someone. Just just think. Your story, how you came to faith in Christ, more than likely was because somebody, somewhere along the line, made an invitation. And today, you don't hate them for that. You don't wish they'd never talked to you about that nonsense. It changed your life. You could be a part of that life change in somebody else. And we are here to help. So, again, this week, think of that one person that you love, that you care about, that you don't want to see miss out on all that God has for them. And again, if that person's on your heart and you're going to make a commitment to pray for them, I want to pray with you as we close. Same thing, would you just raise your hand? We do this every week. But just, there's someone on your life, in your life, in your heart, that you want to see and you're going to pray for them. Yeah, all over. Good. Yeah. Yeah, might be a family member, might be a friend, co-worker. Now, if you didn't raise your hand, please, please 
Start thinking about this. Start building those kinds of relationships. Now, if you're here today and you've never made that step of faith, in fact, maybe you're here because somebody actually invited you and you thought, you know, this was okay. The music was good. The guy, he was okay, the talker. He, but, but, but really what really was happening is God's been speaking to your heart. He's been saying, you know, there, there's a life for you that's better than the life you're living right now. There's something that you have been searching for and trying to obtain for a while now, and it's, and it's all a free gift. And today, you can take a first step of faith. And just admit your need. Admit your failures, your mistakes, your sin, and just ask for God's grace. Let what he did for you on the cross become your story today. And if you're here and you've never made that decision, but today... God's prompting you, and it's time to say yes. I also want to pray with you and for you as we close. So same thing, would you just raise your hand and hold it up for a moment, make sure you catch my eye, because I want to acknowledge you and let you know I see you and I'm praying with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. God's at work. It's touching lives. So for those of you who first raised a hand to make that first step, here's the simple prayer. Lord, here I am with my faults, with my failures, with my best attempts that keep coming up short. I know there's a life that's better for me and it's not a life on my own. It's a life with you. Today I'm turning over my life into your hands. I'm just asking that you would take that grace, that thing that you did for me on the cross, would you take that and apply it to my life? Please forgive my sin, forgive my past. Put me on this right path. Teach me how to follow you. In Jesus' name. And for those of us who raised hands and said, there's a friend, there's a family member, there's a co-worker, schoolmate, neighbor, whatever it might be, Lord, there's someone on my heart that I'd love to see you touch and love to be a part of their story. Would you keep working in their life? Would you keep working in mine? Teach me how to listen to you and recognize your promptings, looking for opportunities, and then just the boldness to be able to speak up. For this is all for your kingdom's sake that we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. You